Well, this morning, I want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about heaven. We're coming up on the Easter season, and, uh, you know, Jesus was pretty concerned about heaven. He left a beautiful home, came down here to spend a few years with us, and that's such a beautiful home, even though it was created perfectly at the beginning, and then there was a little problem there that came up called sin. And he came down and uh, took care of that for us so that he can then bring us back into his heavenly home. And I know that this is probably an often overlooked uh, topic in many, many sermons. And I don't know, I don't, the years that I've sat in church, I didn't hear a whole lot of sermons on heaven. But I'm really excited about heaven. I think it's an awesome, awesome um, place, and I can't wait to get there. And I want to begin to experience it here as much as I can. We sang in the song that Jesus brought heaven to earth. And truly, we can, we can begin to experience heaven today. We don't have to wait until we die. We can start to experience it here. And I know that may be difficult for many of us because when we're going through some hard things, man, the, the furthest thing we're thinking about is heaven. I know that we have some struggles in life. I know we have some illnesses and sicknesses and, and disappointments and discouragements and things. And, but I just want to tell you that heaven is not that far away. Heaven is just a call to Christ. Jesus, come, help me. And he will. And he can begin, he can begin to bring heaven to earth. But there are some things, though, that the Bible says about heaven that I want to spend some time on today. Many people don't think that we're supposed to think about heaven. I don't get that necessarily, but yet I've heard it's, that people don't think that it's something we're supposed to preach about or we're supposed to uh, talk too much about because it's so big and so beyond us that we can't comprehend it anyway, so... Uh, if you start talking about heaven, it makes you a little less effective on earth. And I totally disagree with that because I think the more we think about heaven, the more effective it makes us on earth. In fact, that's our mission statement. Just to review our mission statement today, our mission statement is that we are to be heavenly effective through earthly relevance. Heavenly effective. Our mission statement says that we are to be thinking about heaven all the time while we're relevant on earth. And the more that I'm relevant on earth, the more effective I will be in heaven. That's basically what this mission statement says. And it's exciting when I think about it because it really does encourage me to live a productive life, a heavenly productive life on earth, to be relevant to the least, the broken, and the needy around me, the lost, the broken, and the needy, those that are just don't have it all put together necessarily, well, like I do, but um, you know, it just gives me an opportunity to think about them and to work harder for that in, in a positive way. So I'm excited today about talking about heaven, and we may be speaking about it over the next few Sundays as well. We'll just see where the Spirit leads on that. But I am really excited about speaking of heaven. And I can tell you with, with full assurance that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they're very excited about it too. They are very excited about what they're preparing for us. It says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and I, this is out of the Living Bible Translation, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You are trusting God, now trust in me. There are many homes up there where my father lives, and I am going to prepare them for your coming. When everything is ready, then I will come and get you so that you can always be with me where I am. If this weren't so, I would tell you plainly. Now, this reminds me, I'm a parent, and um, I have children, our kids are grown and they've gone away. And, you know, when, when they're coming home to visit, you know how excited you get. 
and you clean up the house and you do the special things there and you're preparing a place for them and you're so excited for them to come home and see what's new at the house. What you've, the new projects you've done. The, the, maybe you've lost some weight and you want to show them how thin and, and, and you are. Which I've lost about 10 pounds, by the way, just in case you need to know that. And I've lost my glasses. Did you notice that? I still have my cheaters here in case. In case. But uh, what's, that was a 10 pounds, yeah, exactly. But I do have extra large font in my notes, just so you know. Um, but anyway, so we, we get excited about our kids coming home. We get excited. We want to share with them what's new since they've been gone. That's exactly what is happening in heaven today. God is up preparing a beautiful place for us. You know, I, he created the world in six days. And he's been gone in heaven for 2,000 years. If he created this world, this universe in six days, imagine what your home in heaven's going to be like that he's been working on for 2,000 years. I mean, we can't even begin to imagine the splendor of what heaven's going to be like. It's awesome. I mean, we cannot just, we cannot grasp the words. But there are some things that we can learn about heaven. There are some things that we can anticipate about heaven. And I want to talk about some of those things today. And I really pray that the Lord will allow me to express the thoughts um, that he's given. In fact, let's just pray for a minute. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And would you give us your heart today? Would you just share with us your heart about your home and that you're inviting us there? And Lord, would you also know how we can experience it here? That we can have that ongoing relationship that we just move from a earthly heaven to a eternal heaven with just a transition. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when people speak of heaven, I'm sure most of the time we're thinking in general terms that heaven is a non-changing place, that it's an eternal place, which it is eternal. But I want to tell you this morning that it is a changing place, that uh, heaven goes through stages. There was the uh, heaven prior to the birth and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. There was a heaven form there before Christ broke the chains of death. There is a present heaven today that is where people go when they die in this world today. There is a, and that would be called, or it could be called an intermediate heaven or a present heaven. And then there's going to be a future heaven, a heaven, a new earth and a new, a new heaven where, where it comes down. And that's after the great uh, tribulation and after the, the millennial reign, the thousand years, and after the devil is finally then destroyed and thrown into the lake of fire for eternity, then the new heavens and a new earth are created and there's a whole new heaven. And it's okay for us to know that. You know, the, the only thing that, cha- that doesn't change is God. God created heaven. So therefore, it's okay for, to, to think that heaven can change or heaven can progress or heaven can, can have uh, different phases because God created it. The only, thing, the, only, the only entity that doesn't change is God. Hebrews 13, chapter, um, chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, which is part of the Trinity, the Godhead, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. God in the Trinity form, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father never change. But everything else does. And it's okay to recognize that. 
I read a book a number of years ago. In fact, I studied, um, I taught a Sunday school class here back in 2006, 2007, 2008, somewhere in that time frame before I became a pastor here in 2009, written by Randy Elkhorn, titled Heaven. And it was a game changer for me. I want to just quote a passage or two from that book today. Randy Elkhorn says this about heaven's time frames. It says, because God created heaven... It had a beginning and is therefore neither timeless nor changeless. It had a past, the time prior to Christ's incarnation, death, and resurrection. It has a present, or the intermediate heaven, where believers go when they die. And it will have a future, the eternal heaven, or the new earth. The past heaven, the intermediate heaven, and the eternal heaven can all be called heaven, yet they are not synonymous. And so let's talk about that today. There is a present heaven and a new heaven. And that's what I really want to talk about. I'm not going to take the time to go back and try to figure out exactly what was it prior to the incarnation of Christ because that's not real relevant to us today. But what's relevant is the present heaven because we all know people that are there. And what's also going to be relevant is the new heaven because that's where we're going to end up in the future. So I want to spend some time talking about them. And I will say about those, the, the common things about those two things is, is that everything about them is great. There is not one negative thing about either the present or the future heaven. But they will be different. And so will we. Let's distinguish the difference between the present and the future heaven. The present heaven today is in the angelic realm versus the earthly realm. And what I mean by that is um, the present heaven is where people die here, their bodies die, and their spirits go to heaven, where the angels are, where God is. And by the way, definition, wherever God is, is heaven, just so you know that. It's like Air Force One. If the president's on that particular airplane, it's called Air Force One, okay? Where God is at, that's defined as heaven. So today, the present world we move into the present. We we move into the present heaven. When we die here, our spirit man goes into the angelic realm, the spiritual realm. The other thing that's interesting about the present heaven is that it's continue, continually increasing, because every day people are dying. Every day believers are dying, and the numbers of heaven today are increasing every day. That's different than when we get to the new earth and the new heavens, and we'll talk about that later. So the, the present world is the angelic realm versus the earthly realm, whereas the future heaven or the new heavens and the new earth will be in the human realm or the physical realm, meaning that the heavens are going to move from the angelic realm down to the earthly realm. And God and heaven will come and settle on the physical earth, the recreated earth, and heaven will now be in a physical sense. And I know that kind of blows people's minds because some people have a problem thinking that anything physical can be, physical can be good. That's called Gnosticism. That, that's called something that says that uh, if it's physical, it can't be good because the fall destroyed it. Well, that's not true. God created the physical, and what did he say when he created heavens and the earth? What did he say about it? It was good. So whatever God calls good is good. So the physical thing that he created is good. So there's nothing wrong with recognizing the fact that someday heaven will come back from the angelic realm down to the physical realm, and then it will be good, perfectly good. In the scripture, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, 
John the Revelator says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That is clearly talking about the heavens coming out of heaven, settling down on the new earth, and God is now going to dwell with men on his created place called earth. The future heaven moves and changes. And it's going to be awesome. From, there, from that point on, once that happens, there will be no new inhabitants. Because all those that are going to, have, are going to be there have already arrived. And right now, the, new, the present heavens are being added one at a time. One at a time. People are going, they're passing, they're going to heaven. And there's constant celebration in heaven every time a person comes home, homecomings. But when the new heavens and the new earth come down to earth, we're all coming together. There is not one at a time. We're all going to see the new home at the same time. You talk about excitement. You talk about something that we're going to be excited to see. You talk about something God is going to be excited to show us because he's going to recreate this broken world and he's going to make it perfect like it was when he created it and maybe even a little bit better. I don't know if you can improve on perfection, but if you can, he could, and he would, but it's going to be beautiful and he is going to be excited to show us all at the same time our new home forever and ever and ever. It's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Gets me a little bit wound up. I get a little excited about it. This is kind of a fun message to preach. Randy Elkhorn says this. Let me quote him one more time. That God would come down to the new earth to live with us fits perfectly with his original plan. God could have taken Adam and Eve up to heaven to visit with him in his world. Instead, he would come down to walk with them in their world. And he quotes Genesis 3.8. Jesus says that of anyone who would be his disciple... My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John fourteen twenty three. This is a picture of God's ultimate plan, not to take us up to live in a realm made for him, but to come down and live with us in the realm he made for us. Here's something, here's something that really I'm excited about. We are going to be able to walk through and enjoy the Garden of Eden the way that it was created. Because the Garden of Eden, um, when the fall happened, it, it was not destroyed. There's no record of really what happened to the Garden of Eden, but it does reference in Scripture that the, the tree of life, we will, ha- we will see that in heaven, probably even in the present heaven today, but for sure in the new heavens and the new earth. And all that will be restored, and there will be a great city in the new Jerusalem. And I envision in my mind that garden, the Garden of Eden will be like Central Park in New York City. And it will be a place where we can go and we can experience and we can walk and experience exactly the perfect creation that God created for Adam and Eve. And we'll get to experience that. And that will be a place of, of, of enjoyment for us. Just kind of a little throw-in tidbit. Kind of fun to think about. Where you hear there will be no more tears in heaven, what do you think about? Where, where is, when is that going to happen? No more tears in heaven where all, the, all your, um, there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no pain. 
You know, that's not talked about today. That's talked about when the new heavens and the new earth come to earth. It says in Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5, he says, He will wipe away every tear. Who is he? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That is not in the present heaven today. That is going to be in the new heavens on a new earth. And I'll explain why I believe that and why I believe that the Bible talks about that and why that's so significant today because people in the, new he- or in the present heaven today, there is still a battle going on. Not for them because they are in their spiritual place. They will never, ever be tempted by sin again. Once you die and once you're judged to be in heaven as a, as a heaven occupant, you are there eternally. But I'm not yet, and neither are you. So the battle still rages here on earth. So there's still a battle plan of heaven. In the book of Job, Satan had access to heaven because he went up there and God said, what are you doing? Where have you been? And they had a conversation, right? I don't know how much access Satan has today ever since Jesus took the keys from death, from the Satan. I don't know if Satan has access to heaven today. But I will say that the present heaven today is a place of great activity, a place of great warfare, if I can say that yet. And let's talk about that a little bit more. What's happening in the present heaven today? There is much activity yet in heaven related to earth. There's still a connection point of heaven and earth. And we can gain a lot of understanding of this if we read some three, three key passages in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Again, this is John the Revelator, and uh, he had a vision, and uh, this is what it says, beginning at verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So let's just look at this passage of Scripture here. First of all, we don't know exactly who these martyrs are. I don't know if they were those that were killed during the tribulation period or if these are a culmination of all those that have died for the sake of Christ or martyred for, the, for, the, for being their testimony of Christ. I, we don't know exactly who they are, but that's not really the major focus here. I want to list out a number of elements here that, that we can glean from this passage of what's going on today in the present heaven. So just keep that passage open. Think about it or read through it. It says, when these people died, they went to heaven and they were under the altar. They were under the altar. So there must be a physical place in heaven where these souls were, were kept or where they, where they congregated. They, they just weren't floating around randomly on clouds. Okay, so the, the souls were under the altar. There was a physical place. It also shows that there is a continuity between earth and heaven as to their identity. These are the martyrs that were slain on earth 
because of their testimony, and they retained their identity in heaven. They knew who they were. They didn't lose their identity just because they went to heaven. All right, another point is people in heaven will be remembered for their lives on earth. They will be remembered for their lives on earth. These are those that are known in heaven as the ones that were martyred. They were remembered for what they did, for the testimony, for what they had to go through. People remembered them for what they did on earth. It also says they called out in a loud voice, seeming to indicate that they had physical vocal cords, that they could talk. They called out in a loud voice. They are clothed with white robes. Each of them were given a white robe. And this suggests at least some form of physical body. We don't know exactly. But it suggests some form of physical body because a disembodied spirit wouldn't necessarily need to be clothed. So we see a suggestion of a physical body there. We know at least Christ has a physical body because it was that way before he left. It also said that they called out not in just a loud voice, but also a singular loud voice. In other words, they were in unity. They were calling out the same message. They were able to reason with each other, and they, had, they were rational in their message. They were fully conscious of each other, their situation of being in heaven. Why? Well, because we were martyred on earth. They were conscious. They remembered the things, what happened on earth, and they were now calling out. They recognized that they were done an injustice on earth because they were martyred. They recognized that they were not treated justly by people. And now they are asking God to avenge them to carry out his justice, which means that they recognize in heaven, they recognize that God's justice system is perfect. And it will be carried out. This reminds me of when we go to heaven and God gives us rewards, you see, today, if I was to call out somebody in the congregation and say, hey, somebody did a really good job, that particular thing, and if I forgot to call out somebody else that maybe did as good of a job or maybe not quite as good, but they thought a good job, what happens? People get a little bit jealous. Why are you calling him out but not calling me out? Well, can I tell you that when you get to heaven and God gives you a reward, you're going to be totally satisfied. And when he gives somebody else a bigger reward, you're going to be totally satisfied because you understand his justice is perfect. You're not going to say, hey, wait, wait, God, why did you give him bigger than I? You know why? Because you will know then why God gave somebody a bigger reward because that person worked more and you're going to know it and you're going to not question God about that because you're going to know his justice is perfect. There's a lot, to be, a lot for us to glean about that. We also notice that they are free to ask questions of God. They were free to ask questions of God, meaning indicating that they have a desire to learn, that just because you go to heaven, it doesn't mean you're going to know everything. You're going to have the desire to have further understanding of, certainly of God, and maybe even of your own, your own situation. You're going to have the desire to learn. There's going to be a direct communication with God. And you're also going to see that God's going to answer your questions. 
Because it says, they asked a question and God said, they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. So not only is there a desire to learn, but God is going to answer the questions. We also see that there is a time element in heaven. Now, some of us have thinks that once we get to heaven, there's no such thing as time. I don't see that. There's nothing wrong with time. There's a time element here because they're crying out, how, oh, how long, sovereign Lord, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? How long before you're going to f- complete the task? How long before everyone else is going to come up to heaven? How long before are you going to, the questions are, how long before are you going to uh, the second coming where you actually come and avenge all of the injustice of the world? There is elements of time in heaven. In fact, you can't even have a conversation without time. I mean, if we're all talking at the same time, how do you have a conversation? Nothing wrong with time. Don't get bent over that. There's nothing wrong with time. They were aware of the passing of time, both in heaven and on earth, and they were eager to see God's justice system called out. Another thing we see is that they had strong family ties and friendship ties still with people on earth. Just because they were in heaven, they didn't lose their connection with the people still on earth. They still knew who their brothers and sisters were and their family ties. See, just because someone passes from this life and goes to the present heaven does not break their relationship with those that are left behind. That gives me great comfort. I have a mom and a dad in heaven today, and I like to know that they still know who I am. We'll come back to this point in a few minutes. But we've made some pretty important observations here just on these three verses. And unless there is something that isn't obvious here that I haven't seen, um, I think that a lot of the things that applied to the martyrs apply to others that are in the present heaven today and will apply to you and I when we get to the present heaven today until such time that the present heaven changes and it becomes a new heavens and a new earth after the ultimate of time. Now, is this exciting? Yeah. And so let's dig a little deeper. We've already discussed that the martyrs all remembered at least some of the things that happened on earth. They remembered that they were martyred, right? Because they're saying, God, how long before you avenge me? How long? So they're, they're remembering some things. And I think that we're going to see that when we get to heaven, I think our memories will be not worse. I think our memories will be better. I think we're going to remember things much better in heaven that we're going to have a restored mind and a memory system that's going to be perfect. I don't think we're going to have forgetful times in heaven. And I say that because we're told that we will be judged and rewarded according to everything that we've done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So logically, how can you be held accountable to things you can't remember? I think that when God says, Mike, it's time, let's have a little life review, I think everything that I've said, done, or not done, or not said, 
I'll remember it. So what that should do for me today is it should make me think about what am I doing? How am I spending my time today? I mean, if I'm going to give an account for it, I should be aware of it and I should be concerned about it. Am I wasting my time? Am I doing things that I'm going to regret later? Or am I going to do things that I'm going to be given great reward over? So we should just be aware of that. Because God's not going to judge us for things that we don't remember. And there's so much more to discuss when it comes to rewards. Uh, and I don't want to take the time to go there. And that might be a source of another message later on. But I want to move now to something that I think can give us a great source of blessing, a great source of encouragement. Where we've have paid, We have loved ones that have passed. We have moms and dads and maybe daughters or sons or spouses, grandparents, whatever, that have passed. And, and, and we grieve and mourn for them, and rightly so. But I think that we can have an assurance that God has everything under control and that their passing wasn't out of his planning, it wasn't out of his control, and he still has a purpose for your life and I believe for their life as long as they're in the present heaven today, as long as we're in a situation we're in, I believe there's still a purpose. Now, some might say, well, can those in heaven see what's going on on earth? Can those in heaven see what's going on on earth? Well, I think that there is some scriptures that say they can, at least to a certain degree. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And here's the, verse 10 is the key. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, if there is a sinner on earth that repents, what's happening in heaven? Great rejoicing. But look at what it says. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It doesn't say the angels are rejoicing. In the same way are the people there that celebrated with the little lady that lost a coin. Her friends rejoiced. So what's happening in heaven is the saints of heaven are rejoicing because they see what happened on earth because somebody got saved. And they're rejoicing in the presence of the angels. So there's evidence that those in heaven are able to see what's going on on earth. Another example, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run the race with perseverance and so forth. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now this may seem vague, but I think we can read into it very clearly that this great cloud of witnesses are angels, and I also think that those are people that have preceded us in death. And I think that they are watching the race. Not only are watching, but they're, they're, they're cheering us on. They're saying, come on, hang in there. There's, it's a great reward. It's going to be worth it when you get here. Don't give up. I'm cheering you on in your great race. Keep going. Now, this gets better, guys. It gets better. Just hang on. What is Christ doing today in the present heaven? Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life. 
He's at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Christ is at the right hand of God, and he is praying for you. He is praying for us. Christ is actively interceding for us as he is at the right hand of the Father. Let's let's continue on. What is the relationship that we have with Christ today? You and I, right now, as believers in Christ, by having the blood of Christ on our hearts, forgiveness of sin and so forth, what does that, what kind of relationship does that give us with Christ? Does it make us his friend? Does it make us his slave? Or does it make us his brother? Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Right now, you and I are children of God. We can call God our Father. Abba is Daddy, the most intimate form of Father. Daddy, Father. We are his children. And Christ is my Savior, clearly. He's my Lord, clearly, but he's also my brother. I'm a co-heir. In other words, I have the same rights as Christ. I can do things to Christ, right? We can do all things to Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're brothers now. We're in the family of God. We can enter into the throne room of heaven in our praise and worship today, right now, with all kinds of prayers and petitions. We can come before him as a brother of Christ. We have the same rights as he does Right now, we do. Now, if I have that right today, and we've already proven the fact there's a continuity between heaven and earth from what we saw in the martyrs, then my dad and my mom and my grandpa, my grandparents and all your friends, they're in heaven today. And if they were, they were in heaven today because they were what? They were children of God here. So if they're children of God here, are they not children of God there? And are they not, and don't, do they not have the same rights to go into the throne room of heaven there? If they had it here, do they not have it there? Of course they do. They can be in the throne room of heaven right next to Christ because they're co-heirs. They have the same rights. And if they're really going to be Christ-like, what are they going to be doing? They're going to be praying. They're going to be Christ-like in heaven. We're Christ-like here. We're a disciple, a follower of Christ here. We're obedient to Christ here. Well, they're the same Christ-likeness there, but they're in a perfected form because they are in their spiritual sense and they are there without, and they don't see sin anymore. They don't have the temptations of the world. They don't have the hindrances of the world like we do. They're perfect and they are in the presence of God and they're doing everything they're expected to do. They're praying and interceding just like Christ is. And because they have the insights to see what's going on, at least what's happening that's pertinent, let me just put a caveat here. They are not omniscient. They do not see everything God sees. They do not see behind closed doors. I don't believe they see your sinful acts. I don't know exactly what, but I don't believe that. They're watching over everything you do. 
But I can see it happening in my mind. I can see a time when God says, Dawson, you need to know what's going on in Mike's life. So he says, hey, Dawson, boy, come over here. Check it out. Check it out. He needs some prayer. And what's my dad doing? He's going to prayer. He's battling for me. If he would have battled for me now here, I can only assure you he'd battle for me there more so because he sees the battle being worth it. Clearly, he sees the battle being worth it. That is great assurance. That is a legacy. That is a heritage. And I know their prayers are powerful and effective. You know why? Because James 5 tells us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How much more righteous can they be than being in the presence of God? So I tell you, folks, there's a lot going for us right now because of what's happening in heaven. And our job here today truly is truly to connect with that. The more that we can connect with what's going on in heaven and bring that to earth, the more efficient, the more effective, the more blessed we'll be here. And you can think, man, but my life has been, I've had such hard times in my life. Well, let me just say, I, I don't know what I don't know about this, but imagine what the enemy would do to you if he didn't have the power of Christ to protect you. Because remember, we have an enemy that hates us. We have an enemy that wants to destroy you. He has no, you are not his friend. I don't care how he makes you want to think you're his friend by, come on, let's do the sin together and we'll, we'll celebrate and when we get to hell, we'll have a big party. Can I tell you, that is a total lie. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. And if we didn't have people praying for us and interceding for us, and if we didn't have the power of Christ interceding for us, we would be nowhere. We'd be dead. So don't ever start thinking that, oh, woe is me here because I don't have it. No, you have it because, you, and even the hard times are good for us because they bring us closer to Christ at the end of the day. And Christ is faithful and is interceding. Jackie, if you'd come, we'll kind of wind this down here. But I, I, just, want to, I just really want to encourage us this morning that, that there, is, there is a lot of things going on in the present heaven today that empowers us. And it's great things for us to think about. I don't have any problems thinking in heaven today that there's tears and there's stress because I think what's happening is that the battle still rages. As long as I'm at risk, my dad is praying for me. My mom, Clarence, and Ruth, they are praying. They're interceding for me. They're interceding for you. And they're praying and they're, and they're, and they're crying. They're weeping all about you, not about them. It's never about them anymore. They're perfect. They're, they're happy. I mean, they're, they're in a grand place. They're healed. But, you know, they're praying for me. They're praying for you. They're interceding for us. And it's only until we get through the full end of time, the tribulation, the millennial reign, the second time the, the Satan is released to go through the world to deceive those that he can, the great white throne judgment happens, all that, and then God says, guys, it's finally done. Come on, we're going home. We're going home. We're going to the new heavens and the new earth. And then he says, I will wipe every tear away. There will be no more pain, no more mourning, no more sorrow because my justice system is completed and we're here. And now we're going to celebrate and we're going to have the rewards of all eternity together. Oh man, I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. And that, makes, that gives me peace. It gives me a joy. It gives me a motivation to work harder today, to be more relevant today, to be more engaged with people's lives today, not to run off in my own little world and put my head in the sand, 
this is good stuff. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your assurance. We thank you for your words. We thank you, Lord, that you have just given us so much to chew on today. And Lord, yeah, I know we've taken maybe a little liberty here. But Father, I, I, I pray, God, that you will just show us that there, there is so much more than what we could even begin to imagine. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would reside with us today and bring heaven to earth. Let us begin to experience the joy of what heaven's all about right now and sharing it with others around us. Oh, you're such a great father and you're a good, good father and you're gracious and you're powerful and you win and we're on your side. You are our Father. And we are co-heir with Christ. And we give you, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the authority to work in our life, to draw us closer to you every day. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, if you will. Father, we just celebrate this today. And Lord, we are encouraged and excited about what the future holds for us. So I pray blessing on us as we go to our homes today. I just pray, God, that you would just fall upon us today and give us an assurance of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for that heritage. Thank you for that generational blessing that you've given us as a future blessing for those that have gone on and are praying for us. And we don't even know who is praying for us. We have generations that have gone before us that we don't even know who they are but they know us through you. And so, Father, I thank you for all those that are carrying on the mantle for us, that are, that are battling for us. And God, I just come in alignment with them today. And I just say thank you for that promise. Thank you for that assurance. And just give us your grace today as we conquer today great things for the kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Be blessed as you go in Jesus' name.